Hey, welcome to Textual Healing. I'm your host, Mallory Smart. On today's episode, I got a chance to chat with Ravi Mangla, aka DJ Sweet Treat. Sorry, he really didn't want me to say that one, but whatever. Ravi is the author of the novel The Observant that is out in 2022 and Understudies from 2013. He lives in Rochester, New York, and works in political organizing. In this episode, we get into DJing, activism, and, of course, his novel, The Observant. I hope you dig this very lit episode, and if you do, be sure to head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and or review, or just hit me up on Twitter. All are appreciated. I hope you enjoy the show. So, how you doing? I am doing well. How about yourself? I'm pretty damn tired, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> it's fair. Um, it's very much a time of exhaustion. Is it really? For other people, I hope to God, because I feel like a zombie right now, and it's only 2 o'clock, uh, in Illinois at least. I think I feel perpetually exhausted, but where are you based in Illinois? I'm in Chicago. Okay, very cool. Yeah. Honestly, though, like if you say Illinois, like everyone just says Chicago. That's just the go-to place. There's only one place in Illinois. Unless like you're from Southern Illinois, at which point you just never say you're from Illinois. You're like, I'm from the South. (laughs) Like we don't look at the people down there, Chicagoans. We don't even really know how to talk to them. I think that's similar here that either you're from New York City or you're not from New York. Exactly. Let's just make our own states. I think we can do better. <laughs> I think that's, that's not a bad idea. Okay. So do you want to start off by introducing yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my name is Ravi Mangla. I'm the author of the novel The Observant. Uh, I'm based in Rochester, New York, uh, and I work in political organizing. I actually love that you said the political organizing aspect because I actually saw that you've been published a few times in the Jacobin. How did you uh, first start doing that? Yeah, uh, I got involved from, I was working as a freelance writer and got involved in just political volunteer work probably around 2015. Um, You know, leading up to the Trump election, I was very excited about Bernie Sanders and, uh, and then that just turned into a whole job and career change. So I've been doing this work now uh, for, started in organizing work and have moved over to political communications um, for the past six years now. Um, and, you know, I think that probably the last few years, I think the writing and the political organizing has dovetailed much more. So I've done some freelance pieces for like, for Jacobin and some left periodicals, as well as maybe my fiction becoming more politicized than it ever was. Um, But it feels like we are just in a very political climate right now, and it's hard for me to ignore it. Yeah, definitely how everybody else feels with you. You said about how your writing is obviously very politicized, the observant very, very clearly. (laughs) Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah, so, um, like, the seed of the observant um, is it's loosely based on the story of Shin Sang-ok, who is a South Korean film director kidnapped by the North Korean government 
this happened back in the late 70s, uh, I believe, and uh, as well as Shin Sang-ok's uh, wife, uh, Yoon Choi-hee, who was one of the most well-known South Korean actresses at the time, and they were forced, while being held captive, to make propaganda film for the North Korean government. And that kind of, like, weird, stranger-than-fiction anecdote has always, like, been in my head for the last decade. And uh, and then I, I thought of an application, I guess, for it in this new novel, where it is about a documentary filmmaker uh, who is American, though, of, you know, Indian heritage, um, who is taken captive and kind of composite authoritarian country, which bears some resemblance to like Iran as well as North Korea and probably, you know, pulling things from a handful of other countries. Um, so that was like the seed or the genesis of it and kind of took that idea and ran with it. Um, but it's something that's always been kind of fascinating to me, but there's definitely a strong political undercurrent in this book. Definitely. Who designed the cover? I did. Oh, you did? Oh, I need some backstory here because it is a very, very intriguing cover. I, I appreciate that. I think I'm a control freak. So for my first book... <laughs> it's a book, writer thing. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a uniquely writer thing. Um, for the first book, I also designed my cover after I didn't really like any of the covers that were shown to me. Uh, I, I wasn't really feeling some of the options that were on the table, so I took a crack at it and was like looking at old... Autobahn guides with pictures of hawks. Um, I, I found this in it. It was, you know, uh, public domain. And it was from like a maybe 18th century, like Scandinavian painting. Mm-hmm. I have to look back to find what it actually was. Um, and it just resonated from seeing the actual bird masked. I knew I wanted to do a, a hawk because... There is a scene with hawk racing in the book that uh, is one of my favorite parts of the book. And it felt, uh, it feels like exemplary or it feels symbolic in a, in an important way. Um, So I wanted that to be the cover and then finding that kind of old image and then playing that off of maybe more contemporary looking text. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I like the feel of it and it just struck me right. That's really, really fascinating. Um, I'm the editor-in-chief of Malden House, and we are publishing a book called The Swallows of Lanetto. So that's another book that actually has to do a lot with tyrannical regimes. I just thought it was funny that both books, we obviously have birds in common. That is an unusual connection. Yeah, now I have to check out this book. Oh, yeah, by Joseph Asano. Check it out. He's a great writer. But what got you, like, so started with all the political activism? I think I've always been a little political in... I remember being in high school and uh, being very fixated on, like, anti-corporate and left ideological things. And as soon as I turned 18, I registered for the Green Party. Um, That is not my party affiliation now, but... Uh, have always been very much on the left side of the spectrum. And, you and I think both. for a long time... Yeah. <laughs> I think you're actually talking about my life story, so go on. <laughs> uh, 
uh, I, I think that like my fascination with politics was probably more removed or intellectual for a long time. And then, uh, just had an impulse to show up to a meeting and I don't know, it feels like people tricked me that they just started giving me more and more responsibilities until, uh, learning about community organizing, I think I got a real, like, it was a real high to be able to uh, move people and build community-based power and influence policy. And even though I'm not doing as much day-to-day community organizing work, I still, like, need to do things in my local community to kind of get a fix. Um, I... Yeah, it surprised even me. It's not where I expected my life to end up, um, but I can't imagine doing any other work. So you don't have like a family background in any of this? You just had the calling yourself? No, no family background. You know, I'm, I dropped out of high school when I was like 17. Uh, my, I anticipated I'd just be doing, you know, hourly wage work, um, I stumbled into like a customer service job that I was doing for a while while doing freelance writing and writing fiction stuff on the side. Um, And then like politics, community organizing just opened up a whole new world for me. I really dig it. Wow. I I just almost want to turn this entire podcast political, but I won't. (laughs) (laughs) You're totally welcome to. It's something I do on my other podcast where it's like, we're talking about horror movies. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. Let's talk entirely about the Ukrainian war right now. Come on. (laughs) It's a horror movie, too. We can keep talking. (laughs) Yeah. But no, seriously, I'm fascinated. I'm just trying to like get my mind off of the fact that you and I have very, very similar political beliefs. So I'm digging the hell out of that. I like that you actually were at a meeting and you were like socially cool with it. When I was asked to do stuff at a meeting, I was like, oh shit, you actually noticed me here? Fuck. <laughs> I think that was my feeling at first. And I'm very bad at like uh, turning down requests or saying no to things. And it just started building up until those requests got bigger and bigger. And then I realized I was just doing a job. Um, yeah. They are good at like slowly, like you don't even know that you're suddenly like part of the vital operation because they just give you like little tasks by little tasks. And you're like, oh my God, am I in charge? <laughs> That's literally what happened. I showed up at one meeting, did not want to be noticed. And then six months later, I think I was running a countywide operation, sending out canvassers, cutting turf, using like databases and spending all my free time doing this thing. And uh, I don't know how I got there. You're Steve Harrington in Stranger Things. Suddenly you're like, am I the mom? <laughs> yeah, that's that's accurate. <laughs> See, that was a reach of an analogy, but I was like, let's go for it. I'm wearing a Stranger Things t-shirt. I'm going for it. (laughs) But I really love the playlist. Um, I actually hearted quite a few of them and added to my favorite songs. I was listening to it last night. You made it very hard for me to go to sleep because I kept going through the music and it was really, really good. Why'd you pick these songs? It was for the large-hearted boy? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. What did I pick? (laughs) I really liked Insomniac. By uh, Lucy Liu. Oh, my God. That was great. That's a good one. Bad Dreams, Cannons. 
You okay. really did really great with this playlist, I'm telling you. I loved uh, Believer by Emily King. And the last thing I was listening to was Don't You Forget About Me, Totally Enormous Extinct Dinosaurs. And I like that band now as a whole. Thank you very much. Yeah, I did not know about them until maybe a year ago, and a close friend put me onto them. Uh, and it's an older album, but I really, really uh, dig that sound. And uh, and Cannons was a band I was listening to, and then they just happened to perform here. And I will tell you, nobody performs in Rochester, New York. We're like a tertiary city that you have to tour the nation five times before you pass through Rochester. Um, and they happen to be performing and were fantastic. Um, so I am, you know, a big fan of them. I, I don't think that <laughs> the book is so like political and taking place in a foreign country. My first book was about a guy in like a children's punk rock band, or it had such a big musical theme. I think the first time I did a large hearted boy playlist, I'm like, okay, this is easy. I can connect it with the text. And this time I'm like, you know, nothing really connects with the text here. So I'm just going to share songs that I like. (laughs) No, that's perfect, though, because like it's part of you and it helps like people get to know like the writers. We understand where you're coming from. Hopefully. Hopefully. (laughs) I'm glad you like the playlist. No, I really liked it. It's one of those like, yeah, it's a good reason not to go to sleep that much last night. Like, I, I do it every time before I do a podcast where I get really obsessed with the person's playlist, and yeah, it was on loop. Kind of getting in their headspace. Yeah. yeah, trying to get to know you. The only thing that's probably what caused me to bring the Stranger Things up was because Running Up That Hill was on there, and I was like, what? That's the only random one I looked up, and I was like, why is that on the playlist? I will say, in my defense, that playlist, I believe the play was the playlist published before Stranger Things came out, or at the very least, before I watch the new season. Wow. You're like a proto-hipster. <laughs> Me bragging about how I discovered running up that hill in 2021, a year before Stranger Things, and I know. Well, 30 years after it was released. But it is, I don't know how I feel about it being on the radio every single day. Like, it's very jarring to hear it constantly, and, and then there's like, like all the weird cover bands playing it throughout the yeah. summer. Yeah, it's it's very strange in that it's the greatest song of all time. I think it's perfect song. I think that and I don't know Bach, greatest things that have ever been created by man. <laughs> um, but somehow I don't know Stranger Things hearing it everywhere might be ruining it a little bit for me. Oh yeah! <laughs> wow, hipster. <laughs> but yeah no I thought it was, it was also, really cool yeah. I've heard the song only once before Stranger Things it didn't strike as big of a chord with me obviously sure. <laughs> I, I love that Kate Bush album uh, and yeah that and Hounds of Love I could like listen to all the time um, and it was in the TV show Pose They had like a great running up that hill scene that I thought was fantastic. I don't know why I just did not love it as much in Stranger Things. I think you got to really be into the show to love it. I mean, are you into the show? I think I'm into the show. I liked, I may, 
have not liked the last two seasons quite as much, but I do watch every season. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of the third one. I felt it was too, like, the best of the 80s. But <laughs> it really that was, was with them all? Yeah. Sure. Especially when they had that one uh, episode where I think it's really just called Mall Rats, and it just shows almost, like, what you see in every 80s film. of Oh, my God, they're shopping. Here's this weird-ass montage. It's like the one thing we know about the 80s is shopping malls. Shopping and the really weirdly colored shirts. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I've seen these shirts in my older siblings' closets, but, yeah, never anywhere else other than movies. Yeah, same. Oh, do you have older siblings? I do. I have one. Uh, I have an older sister who is, uh, what, seven years older than me? So I think she was often a trendsetter of learning about music from her and uh, trying to appear hip by knowing things that older kids were into. So would you say that like she basically is a guide for your life? Honestly, in a lot of ways, she, uh, I remember she introduced me to David Foster Wallace when I was I don't know, 14 or 15 and she was in college and brought back his book of essays. And I felt like that was like a world opening thing. And definitely recall being introduced to bands that, um, that really influenced me because she listened to them constantly. I think that's really cool. Obviously to have a cultured older sibling. Mine, they, they just brought back a lot of Dave Matthews band, uh, Rat Boy <laughs> Rock. I had a lot of friends who listened to Dave Matthews Band and have been to my share of Dave Matthews Band concerts. I mean, being from Rochester, New York, I'm not shocked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've yeah. been to two Dave Matthews Band concerts, though, too. It's one of those weird things. They're so easy to make fun of because he is so white. <laughs> <laughs> and his crowd is even whiter, if you could believe that. But it actually is good music. <laughs> I don't know if I listened to it. I can't remember the last time I've ever listened to a Dave Matthews song on my own, but I had a good time at the concerts, or I recall having a good time. The only time that I... Okay, I have some burned CDs. This is a shout-out to people who are our age who remember what burned CDs are um, of some Dave Matthews band albums that my sister made for me. But any other time I listened to it, it was kind of forcibly when they were driving me places. Yeah. Well, first of all, I love the Burn CD shout out, and I very much miss my like uh, holder of like Burn CDs that I had growing up. See, I don't even have a holder. I just find them in random places now. <laughs> like, where are you finding them? Like, um, was it a couple days back? My fiance was just like, "What is this re- weird? Like, it's just a red." disc I didn't even bother to like write anything on it and I was like oh yeah that's from 10 years ago <laughs> it was just in the car and I was like that you know like on the side door area and I was like I must have just put it there randomly no case no love no care where were you ripping your songs from I would usually do um LimeWire FrostWire but I eventually grew up and did Pirate Bay sure 
remember LimeWire, BearShare I used for a while. I just like, I tried to tell my nieces and nephews about the good old days when we had to steal the music because they've been getting into Metallica. This is the fuck you to Stranger Things, making that generation think Metallica is all right, even though they really tried to destroy streaming. (laughs) But yeah, they don't know the struggle. They don't know the struggle or just the joy of downloading a song after waiting for 45 minutes for it to slowly, slowly download. And praying the entire time that you didn't just, like, destroy your computer. (laughs) Yeah, destroy your computer or have the FBI, like, come in through the ceiling to your family home. The adrenaline. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The adrenaline. I still remember really fondly the first song I ever downloaded from Napster. And it was Eiffel 65's Blue when I was about 10, 11 years old. I don't know why that is so strong in my memory. It felt like such an achievement to download that first song. Probably because that's like one of the first things that every millennial did. (laughs) It's probably true. And it's funny because like if you were to ask anybody what was like a sign you were listening to when you were younger, that was going to be in their playlist. I I think so. Uh (laughs) Or you and I, maybe it's the very, very leftist people. We're into that. Who knows? It, it shaped my future, yeah. I'd imagine. Little do they know, they're creating very young little leftist liberals. <laughs> now I'm trying to imagine what the perfect playlist would be for that. For what? Creating, for leftism? Yeah, like for creating like little leftist liberals. I... It's a good question. I think that that would be a worthwhile investment to manufacture music with subconscious <laughs> messages to move people to the left. I am very bought into the idea that the left needs to do more propaganda. Oh, I'm with you there. And, and it can't keep being like retro agit prop either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, harkening back to the good old days, if there were good old days. Okay. Um, My niece actually did... Uh, an album called R.I.P. Karl Marx. He would have loved these songs. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. And th- they're so literal, though. <laughs> like Money, Money, Money by ABBA. Money by Pink Floyd. <laughs> Money Trees by Kendrick Lamar. Money for Nothing, Dire Straits. Like, Might be a little too on the nose. Yeah, it's very, yeah. What is this one song? The communists have the music. They might be giants. <laughs> Guess it works. <laughs> Material girls on here. So you have to test this album out now on young people. Just like be playing it loudly every time I drive towards a Starbucks or something. <laughs> Actually, I really don't know if there's Starbucks hanger outs, hanger outers anymore. Like I don't, I don't know, know where kids hang out anymore. The metaverse. It's probably the metaverse. It's definitely not the mall. Damn, Mark Zuckerberg got them. He really did. He really did. Now, I'm just pissed that he stole the word meta. I really liked using that word. (laughs) I I like the word meta. I just saw a meta commercial the other day that was absolutely bonkers. I can't remember what happened, but it very much caught my attention. Yeah, I've been seeing some. 
you know, commercials for things that like didn't have commercials before. So I mean, I remember a Meta one, and then earlier today I saw an Amazon commercial, and I was like, are they hurt hurting? Like, why do they need a commercial? Yeah, they need to have commercials. If you own everything and everybody has to go through you. I don't know if you need commercials like that. Like, is that just like a public awareness campaign of, we're not that terrible, remember, you need us. <laughs> you need us, don't support the people who are trying to unionize. Yes. It sucks, though, because the commercials usually end up being very good. That's why we need propaganda, because they're really good. They'll, they'll propagandize me at times. That is true. They hire the best marketing firms and... Folks on the left often do not have that benefit. The liberal leaves my body every time I go on Amazon. <laughs> I like the phrase, the liberal, the liberal leaves, leaves my body. That could be an album title. That would be great, actually. <clears throat> I'm just trying to imagine like what kind of songs would be on there. Probably similar to the Karl Marx album. <laughs> Do you have any weird playlists on your Spotify? Or? Do I have weird playlists on my Spotify? I have a lot of playlists on my Spotify. I'll tell you the weirdest one, um, which is like, I think it's a good anecdote. Um, I, I was in an office of like community and political organizers. And I think like it's often a very laid back environment, like maybe similar to a kitchen or something like that. And we often joke around. Um, and I have always, I was the one in charge of the music. So I was the official office DJ for many, many years. And, um, I think that people liked the stuff I was playing. I would constantly find new stuff and like took the job of being the office DJ quite seriously. Um, so somebody asked me if I could DJ like a community fundraising event. I can't remember what we were raising funds for but uh, it was like a nonprofit fundraising event so I'm like yeah I can create a playlist and you know I seems pretty thrilling to like be able to help out in that way and I just love making playlists so I have a playlist on my on Spotify that is like my DJ set for this like fun fundraiser event and then I get there and like there is a full DJ setup with nothing is plugged in speakers like <laughs> a whole board and everything and I am just holding like a phone and I have no idea what the hell I'm doing um and they have sold tickets for this event apparently I was advertised as a world famous DJ <laughs> <laughs> and you at least uh, have a DJ name I did. Uh, they used my joke DJ name, which I would use in the office, which is DJ Sweet Treat. <laughs> and uh, the ad for this event said the world famous DJ Sweet Treat. Uh, I got there. I could not put together or assemble any of the electronics equipment. And they ended up just playing music over the loudspeaker. <laughs> but I, I have this playlist still on my Spotify is like a shameful reminder of the fact that I'm not a DJ. Not DJ Sweet Treat? 
not DJ Sweet Treat, a very lame office only DJ that can't put together. So what do you have on there? (laughs) And by the way, you're not the only person who had an issue like this. I actually had to do a DJ thing for my parents' anniversary like a, a couple weeks ago. My brother and I ended up splitting the task, and when we went there, we had it all on our Spotify, and same deal. Everything was hooked up and everything. We're like, oh, shit. We were just going to, like, airplay this. Yeah, I've never been so fearful as showing up in that place and seeing all the audio equipment and them being like, oh, yeah, you can put it all together. Yeah, and just everybody over the age of 40 looking at us like, you know what to do, right? surely this is your area I'm looking at this playlist right now I have Little Dragon Rihanna, Jungle Janelle Monet uh, at least DJ Sweet Treat knows how to throw a party (laughs) Uh, Mariah Carey great throwback what else Prince Belle Biv DeVoe, Chance the Rapper. Uh, I think this playlist would have killed. I, I spent a lot of time thinking through it, stand by it, I'm proud of it. Now, in standard DJ fashion, did you like say anything in between songs or just let it speak for itself? Well, since I was like immediately disregarded, when they put music on the loudspeaker, they did not put my music on. <laughs> I was fully pushed aside as a DJ and sent to my corner. Um, but what I did do was I dressed up in what I thought was DJ outfit. I wore overalls and had like a whole getup. Um, <laughs> if you have a picture of this, I'd like to see it because I'm already I'm calling this episode the world famous sweet treat. So. <laughs> I do have a picture of it. I'm feeling very conflicted about sharing that picture, but it does exist. Well, as long as we know it's out there, that that gives me some peace. <laughs> I mean, it's not like this is the weirdest thing that will be revealed. I mean, I had one person, I, mean, I don't know if you, what episodes you're listening to, but one person actually was telling me that they had a One Direction cover band and that they used to dress as like Harry Styles when they were younger. Like only is, a couple years ago, I guess was younger in their opinion, but that's a bold confession. Even though Harry is very, very cool right now, he's very, very cool right now. Two years ago, that's a very hard outfit to like work. It's hard to work. It's hard to pull off anything that Harry wears. I think. Yeah, Harry's a very difficult guy to compare to at all. I was seriously just showing my fiance uh, Harry Styles music for the first time. Um, on TikTok yesterday and he was blown away by the fact that like Harry Styles actually just is not just like flamboyant but is willing to do almost whatever the audience wants him to do yeah it feels like he is a very essential and important artist in this time of just a kind of style icon oh definitely Um, I would absolutely go and see a Harry Styles concert I want to, I really do, and I'll do it under the guise of I'm the older person taking my niece, I'm her guardian, whatever. I don't know what it takes to go. <laughs> I, he's only like, he's 28 or something, right? 
is he that old? I have no idea. Is it sad that we think that's old? I think that's that sounds old. It sounds old. I think he is there, though, maybe. In my head, I'm thinking, like, he's 23 or something like that. Because he has that, like, really, like, boyish charm to him. Okay, Harry Styles. I'm looking him up right now. 28? Yeah. That was a good guess. Fuck yeah. (laughs) I feel like I looked it up recently. (laughs) You would plan that. You had that in your back pocket. Oh, yeah, I just bring that up randomly during podcasts, be like, oh, I wonder how old Harry Style is, 28? I'm not sure. You should have a game show portion where it's guessing the age of various artists. No, I, I actually like doing another game where I ask people what's overrated and what's underrated. <laughs> That's <laughs> Do a good you want to play well. that? I would absolutely love to play that. Okay, so you say overrated or underrated, and you tell me why. Music festivals. Overrated. Any reason why? Uh, Sweaty, you can't find a bathroom, hard to see the stage, music often doesn't sound as good outdoors. Very true. I had an issue with Blink-182 a couple years ago, but yeah, go on. Okay, uh, Taylor Swift. (sighs) Appropriately rated. No, sorry, I will go with... (laughs) overrated and that is just based on her plane travel (laughs) (laughs) okay that's a good reason that is a good reason okay crowd surfing underrated have you i've never crowd surfed but i think it's a cool cool thing and we should embrace crowd surfing i recommend you do it at your next concert oh so you've done it yeah, I've only done it once. Oh, I would never do it again. It's a scary moment, too. It's scary and awesome at the same time. So. Sure. <laughs> you have to have like the right amount of alcohol in your system and daringness at the same time. I can imagine. <laughs> like I had just enough alcohol where I was just like, I can do this. And I just turned to a stranger to help me get up. But I did have the like sobriety in me to give my phone to my friend which I should have actually held on to, but I was like... Just more consideration. You know, my theory was like, it's a $1,000 iPhone. I don't want it to fall if I fall, but then I didn't consider there are so many people in this crowd. How am I going to find my friend again? Totally. Do you know what what concert was it? Bikini Kill. Okay. I don't know. It, It was at Riot Fest. They're the last band. Um, I don't know if you, you know, there are a lot of people from the other states that come to Riot Fest here in Chicago, but I no, would say never it's never like, been, never heard of it. Yeah, I would say it's definitely not Lollapalooza size. I mean, I want to say it's like half the size. Junior Lollapalooza. It is. And they play the kind of music that Lollapalooza played in the 90s. Sure. And by that, I mean like the exact same bands. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like, uh, are you retired and nobody actually appreciates you anymore? Come on over here. <laughs> we have a home for you. Exactly. Only this year they're going to have my chemical romance. I'm pretty jealous okay. I won't be able to make that one. Yeah, that's a good get. Okay. Overrated, underrated. Going to a concert alone. Uh, underrated. Have you done it? 
I've gone to concerts alone, and I think I've had a good time. See, I dig that. Um, wearing earplugs. <laughs> yeah, this is when it starts hitting your age. Yeah, I've, I feel like I'm being ageist or ableist if I am saying overrated. I will say underrated and to each their own. <laughs> it's my diplomatic answer. I like that you give nice diplomatic answers. Okay, let's see how diplomatic you are with this. People who are taking pictures or videos with their phones during concerts. Overrated. I advocate for being in the moment, enjoying it not capturing stuff. Do you ever passively, passive aggressively let those people know that they're being assholes? I don't know if I'm passively aggressively letting them know, but I'm probably giving them an eye. That's the best I'll do. Well, they can't see that. They're looking at the phone, at the stage through the phone. (laughs) Oh yeah, no, it makes no difference or impression on them, but I feel like I did something. Okay. Um, Watching the opening band. Um, underrated. Very it is good. a tough act to be an opening band, but I can definitely think of instances where I like the opening band more than the headliner. Yeah, I actually, this is going to be an age thing. The first time I saw Cage the Elephant, they were an opening band. Yeah, it's kind of exciting when you see an opening band that is up and coming in some way before they blow up. Yeah, see, that's my hipster thing, where I could be like, I saw Cage the Elephant before they even got their own venues. Yeah, that's it's claim to fame. Okay, let's see. One more overrated, underrated. Um, sitting at concerts. Oof. I will say underrated. I... I'm old and not opposed to sitting at a concert. I've been at sitting concerts, and I think I've had a good time. It's a controversial one. Oh, no. I, I have that same like kind of like controversy go through my mind anytime I go to a venue, and it's a band that you would normally stand for, but then you see like they're just seats, and you're like, oh, no, what did they do to me? I remember seeing Ted Leo and the Pharmacists, and it was a sitting venue, which is a very strange band to be sitting for, but I enjoyed it. It really is cool, but like, okay, I saw Slater Kinney at a sitting venue. It was a very out-of-body experience to like be listening to such a cool rock band while sitting down. It was even weirder, though, to be ordering beer from our seats. So there was, like, someone going up and down the aisle? Yeah, and, like, just give them your credit card, and they'd be like, I'll be back in one second with the one you want. It's like, oh, my God, I feel like I'm just getting such great service watching Sleater Kinney. That's a strange experience. It really was. And at the end of it, I was just like, did I really just go to a concert? I don't know. It doesn't feel like it. One great concert experience I had, and I... I'm so frustrated. I can't remember the name of the artist. She does this incredible, like, uh, like electronic manipulations of her voice and just uh, layering and looping sounds. 
And it was like a midnight concert at a church and we were all like lying on the ground. And I think the experience of lying on the ground while listening at a concert was uh, hard to beat. And that might be my uh, preferred concert positioning if I had to choose. I'm trying to think if like I ever actually like was on the ground ground at a concert. It would have had to have been a music festival. And I think actually back in 2011 I was. I just don't remember the name of the band. On the ground or in the grass? Yeah, like we were in the grass. Just like I was dead tired. My one friend actually went to the pit. They're like, we're going to go for it. And I was just like, whatever. (laughs) I'm seriously just going to like look up my old playlist to see like what I was big into then. Like, I'm just looking up Riot Fest 2011. It'll tell me. Curious to know who was on the bill. I know, right? That's what happens to your memory, though. Like, it's literally 10 years ago. Okay. I thought that I would remember, or I used to remember every concert I'd been to, and now I don't think I have that ability. Yeah, I thought I was going to be able to as well, but not anymore. Weezer. Okay. Um... Okay, let's see. Social Distortion, Suicide Machines, Youth of Today. God, they had a lot of crappy ones. The Menzingers. I think it was during Weezer. Lying on the floor during Weezer. Yeah, I think so. You know, it's one of those things where, like, they're a lot more chill than you think they are to listen to. They're also another extremely white band, but... (laughs) They are, but I am more inclined, I think, to listen to Weezer today than Dave Matthews. Oh, definitely. <laughs> like, I don't mind, like, you know, when you're at, like, a stoplight and people could, like, see what you're listening to. I don't mind if they can tell that I'm listening to Weezer. I'd be, I'd never be caught dead with Dave Matthews' band, no. I would, yeah. <laughs> I would not feel any shame about listening to Weezer. Dave Matthews' band, I would run that red light. I was going to say, I'd consider breaking that traffic law to get out of there. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Which, okay, we all have a moment where, like, we've listened, like, really blasted a song and gotten into it and then hit a red light and noticed that someone was looking at you. What was your most embarrassing one? What was my most embarrassing one? All I can think of is things lately. I've definitely listened to some Harry Styles songs very loudly sang along to them lately um i don't know if we want to qualify that as embarrassing but it's probably going to be pop greatest hits like harry styles taylor swift or something like that that's all right yeah i think that's all right i would say my most recent is running up that hill but. <laughs> no that is that is something to be proud of that is something to open your windows to and share with the world I would say my windows were down, my sunroof was open, like, I was enjoying that day, and then I, like, looked up, and I was like, oh, my God, people are watching me as I jam out to this. (laughs) And it's not like I could see any disapproval or anything, but, like, it's because I was, like, sinking so far into my seat, because I was just like, I do not want to look in their direction again. (laughs) (laughs) Just slowly turning the volume down. The more embarrassing one might be pulling up and listening to a podcast. Uh, Not any podcast, but 
I don't know. It always feels like a personal experience. You know, I, I don't think I've had that experience before. But I think it would actually be really cool. Like, I think it would be like, a, yeah, I am that intellectually superior. I listen to podcasts. <laughs> yes, this is a daily in the New York Times. <laughs> exactly. Now you just need a cardigan and a cup of black coffee to be drinking. But from an obscure coffee shop. Can't be Starbucks. All the kids are there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So would you like to read a little bit from your book? Yeah, I can read a little excerpt. Um, yeah, so the book came out about three months ago. Done a few readings about it, but I don't think I've settled into a standard, like, this is the thing I read. Um, so I will pull something up. Sorry, I'm taking my sweet time. Um, It's all right, DJ Sweet Treat. (laughs) I'll read the Falcon scene since we talked about the Falcon cover. Awesome. These were only test runs, trials designed to show off the Falcons to prospective buyers. The morning was warm and promised warmer. Most of us, 30 or 40 people, took refuge under the shade of the canopy. The breeders exhibited the birds, their outspread wings, and finely manicured beaks and talons, before slipping off their masks with a practiced delicacy and lifting them one by one into ecstatic flight. The birds broke free of their masters and beat their wings with great rapacity, aiming to make an impression. Motion sensors marked the start and finish of the course, and flight times were displayed on an electronic board held up by a young turbid man. I struggled to keep the falcons in the camera frame, I didn't want to resort to zooming out, relegating them to mere specks on the desert horizon. Onlookers referred to sheets that assigned a number to each falcon. They made notes in journals or on their phones, conferred in hushed whispers with one another. In the distance, several hundred meters out, a man swung a rope, baited with carrion. As a falcon neared, the offering was whipped away. The falcon lifted and turned its wings at full and glorious stretch. For their exploits, birds were treated to leftover pigeon from the night before and sprayed down with cool water. I was struck by the novelty of the contest, which Mohadesi had ironically dubbed, quote, the sport of princes. Victory was product, the product of neither rarefied talent nor the acquisition of a particular skill. It was achieved by pure submission, dominion over a wild creature that, whose nature was to hunt and kill. Is that too short of an excerpt? Oh, no. That's good. I usually just wait a few seconds for someone to say they're done because I have made the mistake once of interjecting, and I was like, oh, shit. It's probably the respectful thing to do. Yeah, fair enough. (laughs) Yeah. No, seriously. It was one of the more embarrassing moments. You'll never find it because I edited it out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's like in a reading where people start clapping too early. I've done that, too. (laughs) But... Okay, would you like to plug anything before we go? Oof. Uh, As far as plugs go, main plug, the observant, voting your upcoming election in November, 
And um, I have an interview coming out with Gabe Blackwell. Uh, Folksome is like the editor of The Rupture, and uh, him and I have a really great conversation about our new books, and that should be coming out in the millions soon. That's really cool. All right. Well, thank you for taking time out of your day to have Weird Music Talk with me. I loved it. It was a good time and really appreciate uh, having me on, Mallory. All right. That was a very amazing and fun episode with Ravi Mangla. And it was a very fun and informative chat. I hope you enjoyed it. Definitely hit him up on Twitter at Ravi underscore Mangla or his website, ravimangla.com. There is amazing content there, and it isn't just literary. There are very cool nonfiction pieces as well, and I really recommend his work in The Jacobin. Very lit. As always, if you want to get to know us more, find Textual Healing on Twitter at PodHealing, and take a look at our website, textualpodcast.com. If you would like to help us out, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Check out past episodes and keep a lookout for the new ones to come every other Saturday. And each Saturday where we don't have a full interview episode, we have a very cool micro segment that we now do called Off the Record. I really hope you check it out. This is Mallory Smart. Thanks for listening to the show.